Chronicles chapter 15. The Spirit of God came upon Azariah, son of Odith. He went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach, and without uh, the law. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, and he was found by them. In those days, it was not safe to travel about, for all the inhabitants of the lands were in great turmoil. One nation was being crushed by another, and one city by another, because God was troubling them with every kind of distress. But as for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. When Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Azariah, son of Oded, the prophet, he took courage. He removed the detestable idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin and from the towns he had captured in the hills of Ephraim. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the portico of the Lord's temple. Then he assembled all Judah and Benjamin and the people from Ephraim, Manasseh and Simeon who had settled among them, for large numbers had come over to him from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. They assembled at Jerusalem in the third month of the fifteenth year of Asa's reign. At that time they sacrificed to the Lord seven hundred head of cattle and seven thousand sheep and goats from the plunder they had brought back. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, with all their heart and soul. All who would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, were to be put to death, whether small or great, man or woman. They took an oath to the Lord with loud acclamation, with shouting and with trumpets and horns. All Judah rejoiced about the oath because they had sworn it wholeheartedly. They sought God eagerly and he was found by them. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. King Asa also deposed his grandmother Maacah from her position as queen mother because she had made a repulsive Asherah pole. Asa cut the pole down, broke it up and burned it in the Kidron Valley. Although he did not remove the high places from Israel, Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all his life. He brought into the temple of God the silver and gold and the articles that he and his father had dedicated. There was no more war until the 35th year of Asa's reign. If you turn in your bulletin, you'll notice that um, I'm going to be speaking from 2 Chronicles chapter 13 through to 16. <coughs> That's uh, quite a lot to get through. Um, don't panic. I won't be reading every verse, uh, but we'll, we'll make some progress uh, through a lot of it. Let's come before our Lord in a time of prayer as we get ready to think about this section. Let us pray. Lord, we do thank you for this time we share together now. We thank you for your word, and we pray that you'd help us to benefit from the things that have been written down in the Old Covenant uh, that are for our warning and for our encouragement. We pray that you'd help us to understand these things now and apply them in our lives, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, I don't know if you've heard of the saying, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Uh, it's often used when it's talking about how children can be like their parents or, or like one of their parents. And it might be said with regard to how a, a child looks, or it could be said with respect to their temperament and their character. Sometimes kids can be a lot like their parents or, or a lot like one of their parents. Occasionally, I like to remind my eldest daughter that uh, the apple doesn't fall fr far from the tree. But she's quite witty, and so she says to me, Hi, yes, Dad, but some apples fall further than others. It's her little way of distancing herself from being like me. Well, we see something a little bit like that in uh, the books of Chronicles when we look at the kings. Now, some kings are better than others, some, some are much worse. But last week when we looked at Rehoboam, we saw he was a king who, in the later part of his life, he started to get his act together a bit more and humbled himself before the Lord. And today as we uh, look at two kings, King Abijah in chapter 13 and King Asa in chapters 14 to 16, we see that these kings, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. They've sort of got a humble attitude before God. Now, Israel at this time remains a divided kingdom. There's Israel in the north and Judah in the south. They're not united. But in these chapters, we get to see some positive things happen in both their reigns because these kings, for the most part, uh, lead in the right way. They lead to love God themselves and also to encourage the people to do that kind of thing. And so my first point in the sermon outline there, you'll see in chapter 13, Abijah sought the Lord. Now I'm going to give you a bit of a, a rundown of the chapter so that we can stick with you know, 13 through to 16. In this we note that there's a battle between Judah and Israel. Abijah leads an army of 400,000 troops but Jeroboam leads an army with twice as many, 800,000. Now as Abijah faces off against Jeroboam, he wants to tell Jeroboam some of the things about God's will and also the, the people of Israel. He wants to remind them. And the first thing he notes in verses 5 to 7 is that God's actually established the king, kingship of Israel through David and his descendants, which is his way of saying Jeroboam's being rebellious by starting a faction up north. The second thing he points out is that Jeroboam's failed to obey God and come to God in the way that God's provided through the temple because Jeroboam's established his own cult up the north. We pick up some of the, the tone of this in verse 8 of chapter 13. Abijah says, And now you plan to resist the kingdom of the Lord, which is in the hands of David's descendants, which is his way of talking about himself. You are indeed a vast army and have with you the golden calves that Jeroboam made to be your gods. But didn't you drive out the priests of the Lord, the sons of Aaron and the Levites, and make priests of your own, as the people of other lands do? Whoever comes to consecrate himself with a young bull and seven rams may become a priest of what are not gods. And so Abijah's insisting that Jeroboam uh, is doing a bad job of leading, that they're, they're not serving the, the Lord God as God's outlined as the way to be worshipped. Instead, they've started their own program. 
In contrast, he's saying that he's trying to lead the people in a different way and to encourage the people in that. In verse 11, he says, We are observing the requirements of the Lord our God, but you have forsaken him. Verse 12, God is with us. He is our leader. His priests with their trumpets will sound the battle cry against you. Men of Israel, do not fight against the Lord, the God of your fathers, for you will not succeed. And so Abijah ends his speech warning them that it's pointless to fight against Judah because they're serving the Lord faithfully. And if, they, if the Israelites fight them, they'll only end up fighting against God. Well, Jeroboam tries some tricky battle strategy at this point in time. And he sends some troops not only in front but also in behind. And it's looking a bit serious for Abijah as he's numbered two to one in this battle. But the difference is Abijah and the people trust in the Lord. We'll pick that up in verses 14 through to 16. Judah turned and saw that they were being attacked at both front and rear. Then they cried out to the Lord. The priests blew their trumpets, which reminds us almost of a, a Jericho scenario. And the men of Judah raised the battle cry. At the sound of the, their battle cry, God routed Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. The Israelites fled before Judah and God delivered them into their hands. Abijah trusted in the Lord. He sought the Lord both in the way that he sought to serve God in worship and also in battle. And Abijah serves the Lord in, in contrast rather, to Jeroboam who wants to approach God in his own way and, and set up his own way of worship. And so the tone of this chapter and this, this passage is that Abijah does well. He does well in trusting the Lord and seeking the Lord. And that's something we can take also from this historical narrative as well. Uh, there might be times when we face adversity or periods of hardship. There might be times when we find that it's, it's difficult to trust God with the problems that are in our lives. But this is a good example of someone who uh, trusts God and, and leaves uh, his life in God's hands. The same thing can be said for the Apostle Paul as he takes the gospel out uh, into the world so that all kinds of people can get right with God. As Paul shares the gospel, he's faced with all kinds of hardship when he does that. But he has some encouraging words uh, for the church as well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is not seen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so as Paul struggles to, to get the gospel out and has a difficult time uh, doing that, he still keeps his confidence in God who's unseen and knows that even though he's going through struggles, those things won't compare to eternal glory with the Lord. And so we're invited in the, in the face of different adversities uh, like Abijah to be those who trust God uh, and also the Apostle Paul as he goes through difficult times, he, he maintains his confidence in the Lord as well. 
course, Abijah doesn't reign long. It's only three years. He, he comes to the throne, it seems, later in life. But it's a short reign, but a good reign. And he has a son who succeeds him. And so we see again, this, this king, Abijah was a good king, and the next king's pretty good. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Asa is off to a great start. We see that uh, in chapters uh, 14, and I'll begin in verse 2. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He removed the foreign altars and the high places, smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, and to obey his laws and commands. He removed the high places and incense altars in every town in Judah, and the kingdom was at peace under him. He built up the fortified cities of Judah, since the land was at peace. No one was at war with him during those years, for the Lord gave him rest. Verse 7, let us build up these towns, he said to Judah, and put walls around them with towers, gates and bars. The land is still ours because we have sought the Lord our God. We sought him and he has given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. Well, it's fairly clear here, isn't it, that uh, Asa has a good attitude to wanting to serve God and to throw away and cast off the idols. And furthermore, he encourages the people and, and he leads by example in obedience to the Lord. He wants to, he wants, he commands the people to uh, obey the Lord's commands. And he carries out a building program because he's confident that God's given them rest as he trusts in God. And we see that in verse 7. The land is still ours because we have sought the Lord our God. We sought him and he has given us rest on every side. He seeks the Lord. He seeks a relationship with God. And this is a, a healthy uh, example from one of the kings. And he also seeks God during times of hardship and battle. We see that in verses 8 through to 15. He and the men of Judah were faced with the Cushite army marching against them with a vast army of 300 chariots. But Asa calls on the time of the Lord in times of battle. I'll pick it up in verse 11. Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we rely on you. And in your name we have come against this vast army. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. Verse 12, the Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and Judah. The Cushites fled and Asa and his army pursued them as far as Gerar. Such a great number of Cushites fell that they could not recover. They were crushed before the Lord and his forces. The men of Judah carried off a large amount of plunder. Well, so far, it's so good for King Asa. He's asked God to help them because they rely on God and he's got this living trust in God, a trust that's in action. And we can be encouraged as we, we read these things about the kings who actually did trust in God to deliver them. He's also got the right approach to God's word. That's what we saw from chapter 15, as Luke read that passage to us, there's a 
prophecy that's read or given by Azariah and he responds well to this word. I'll pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 15. The Spirit of God came upon Azariah son of Oded. Verse 2, he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time, Israel was without the true God and without a priest to teach and without the Lord. This might be referring to the time in Egypt. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, and he was found by them. That might be referring to when they cried out to God for deliverance. In those days, it was not safe to travel about, for all the inhabitants of the lands were in great turmoil. One nation was being crushed by another, one city by another, because God was troubling them with every kind of distress. But as for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. Verse 8, when Asa heard these words of the prophecy of Azariah, son of Oded, the prophet, he took courage. He removed the detestable idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin and from the towns he had captured in the hills of Ephraim. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the portico of the Lord's temple. Well, Asa's encouraged by this message. Uh, we're told that he takes courage and as he does so, he takes action as well to remove some of the idols of the land. And in response, he also encourages the people to renew their commitment to seek God. And so they cut a covenant uh, of renewal and dedicate themselves to seek the Lord. We pick that up in verse 9. Then he assembled all Judah and Benjamin and the people from Ephraim and Manasseh and Simeon who'd settled among them. See, these people had come on down. For large numbers had come over to him from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. They assembled at Jerusalem in the third month of the 15th year of Asa's reign. At that time, they sacrificed to the Lord 700 head of cattle and 7,000 sheep and goats from the plunder they'd brought back. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, with all their, their heart and soul. So this ceremony is held in view of the fact that they want to renew their commitment to seek God. And there's something very honest about that kind of situation, isn't it? That, that they can know that there's times when they're, they're moving closer to the Lord and perhaps times when they're moving further away. Now, as members of the uh, New Covenant, we don't, we don't cut a new covenant every time we want to renew our commitment to the Lord, but um, we do observe the Lord's Supper. Jesus says, this is the cup of the New Covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And as we, um, as we participate in the Lord's Supper, we're, we're remembering a covenant meal, that we're God's people and he's our God, that his body was given for us, his blood was shed for our sins. And the fruit of Jesus' work is that we do have a living relationship with God, that we stand as his people, which is a wonderful joy and a, and a reality. But the responsibility we have as members of the new covenant is also to keep walking with the Lord. And that challenge is highlighted by the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, where he says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, 
this is not just the idea that we we don't we just let let go and let God. It's the idea that we continue to actually work at our relationship with God, that we come to God in prayer, that we spend time thinking about his word and that we, we're committed to putting to death sin. This is the challenge to continue to work at our salvation. And he goes on to say, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So uh, we're holding on to God because God's holding on to us. Well, as the anap- apple analogy goes, I've got to I've got to bring this little part in now. Uh, the old apple falling from the tree. Well, things don't end as well for Asa in his later years. Uh, I could maybe say the apple starts to go off. If you can stick with me for a moment, um, he in chapter sixteen he he gets anxious about Baasha, king of Israel, being near him and threatening him and his safety. And he calls on King Ben-Hadad of Aram up north of Damascus to come and have a treaty with him to, to get uh, Baasha to withdraw. And the net result is that the king of Israel does with, withdraw because he's got to fight uh, the king of Aram. But it's a short-term gain. This treaty with the, another king uh, doesn't reflect a trust in God. And so in his later years, Asa, although he had a, good, a pretty good start, uh, it goes off a little bit. So we'll have a look at um, chapter 16, verse 7 through to 9, if you're following. At that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. Were not the Cushites and Libyans a mighty army with a great with great numbers of chariots and horsemen. Yet when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You've done a foolish thing, and from now on you will be at war. Asa was angry with the seer because of this. He was so enraged that he put him in prison. At the same time, Asa brutally oppressed some of the people. The events of Asa's reign from the beginning to end are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Though the disease was severe, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. Then in the 41st year of his reign, Asa died and rested with his fathers. They buried him in the tomb that he'd cut for himself in the city of David. They laid him in a bier covered with spices and various blended perfumes. And they made a huge fire in his honour. Well, Asa had a, a better start than he did in his ending, didn't he? And we can learn something from that as well. Uh, there's a challenge here not only to... You know, have a good start in life and walk with the Lord, perhaps when you're a younger person or a middle-aged person like myself. Uh, we've got to try to make it to the end. That's the challenge, to persevere to the end. We'll be seen as God's people if we continue. That's the kind of challenge that gets raised in the book of Hebrews to people who might have been tempted at stalling and falling away. I'll read to us from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. 
Remember those earlier days after you'd received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathised with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. There's the challenge to be a bit different to King Asa and to be among those who persevere. Today we've seen that some of the kings did all right. Uh, King Rehoboam uh, got his act together towards the end of his life and humbled himself before the Lord. His son Abijah did well as a king. Asa had a great start, but we need to take warnings from Asa's ending. We need to be among those who don't just walk with the Lord uh, currently. We need to be among those who persevere to the very end. Uh, those who continue to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. That's the challenge from God's word today. Let us close in a word of prayer and ask God to help us be among those who are strengthened in our zeal to love and serve him. Let us pray. Our Lord God, we give you thanks that you've called us to be among those who continue to seek you and trust you even in the face of different kinds of adversity and hardship. We give you thanks for these readings this morning which remind us of the right place which kings had when they had their trust in you. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to be among those who persevere as your people, who are saved as we continue to live with our trust in Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. We pray that you'd strengthen us to walk closely with you, uh, to forsake sin and turn away from that. Help us to live consistent lives. Help us to grow in our love for you. Help us to grow in our love for each other. And we pray that you'd help us uh, to forgive and to bear with one another. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to be among those who work out their salvation with fear and trembling, not treating you flippantly and not flirting with sin. And Lord, we pray that you'd strengthen us today as we think about uh, these good reminders and encouragement from your word to be among those who trust you and to seek you. And we pray for your help in this. In Jesus' name, amen.